Echo's Box Podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's Box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people. Out of respect for all, please do not listen if this content isn't right for you, and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Echo's Box. This is episode 9, The Come Down. Uh, I actually don't know what song just played before because I just sat down to record the episode and I have no idea what music I'm going to put in front, if any at all. Uh, I don't know. Things are going to start to get weird with this podcast. I'm going to start experimenting around with stuff and uh, this is a, a super secret you have to keep between me and you. Uh, we're probably going to have our first guest here soon. I won't dictate when that comes out because I may put episodes before or after it. We'll see, but I am excited for it. It's uh, nobody, nobody famous that you would know, but it's a, a really good friend of mine. She's very smart, um, and I, I just tossed the idea her way if she wanted to come be a guest, and she was all about it, so I'm excited for that. Uh, you'll see when that comes, but shh, that's our secret. Um, this episode's actually going to get kind of heavy. I'm going to do my best to kind of keep that lighthearted tone that I like to keep, um, and, and I feel like I'll do okay at it, but... Uh, you'll see why that is as we kind of get into the topic. It's just because the nature of it is very difficult to express without feeling sad. And honestly, that's how I feel right now. I'm extremely sad. I'm, I want to cry, but I can't. And it's very frustrating because crying is very healthy. And I want to so badly, but I just can't. Um, and I can kind of feel it in my voice. I can, I can feel it in my head. Um, it's just painful. So... What's happening? Why is this episode called the Come Down? Why is everything so sad? Why, 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 why? You know, you know other than depression, whatever. Um, well, I am uh, kind of building off of where we left off last time where I was talking about um, how I was coming off of different SSRIs probably permanently at some point, and that's happened. And so the last SSRI I was on was a, it was a Paxil. And I switched from Prozac to Paxil, and neither of them did anything for me. Um, nothing negative, thankfully, unlike some of the other ones I've talked about in the past, but um, it's just time. There's very few I haven't tried yet, and it's very clear that this type of medication is just not for me. It's not working. Uh, so I am in a <laughs> semi-permanent state of SSRI withdrawal. What does that mean, though? Um, normally in the past, when I'm going through an SSRI withdrawal, it's very short-lived because I'm going from one to the next. So while I still experience all of the, well, not all of them, but some of the typical withdrawal system, symptoms that many people experience when uh, stopping an SSRI and starting again, um, this time it is for good. So while I am looking forward in some ways to the next step of this journey, there is also no relief coming immediately uh, and that is something recently I've had to uh well not recently but I guess in the past couple months when I've been doing various uh 
work with my spiritual practice, one of the things that kept coming up was basically quit looking for quick solutions to complex problems or any problems for that. Uh, It's important, at least in what I am reflecting on with myself, is to let things play out. Like if it's uncomfortable, sit in the uncomfortableness. If it's hard, deal with it, get through it, It, and then let it be difficult. That's just how some things are. And I'm the kind of person that while I have a very ungodly amount of patience that I probably shouldn't have, uh, I still don't like to suffer. Nobody, nobody really likes to suffer. Even your your sadist doesn't like suffering. They're getting something out of it. It's not true suffering. Um, but to truly suffer is is something nobody enjoys. But sometimes we're supposed to. And it is just really been difficult for me um, in realizing that. And some things I've gotten along with better. Like for example, uh, relationships, friendships of any sort. Uh, and letting those things play out that has been uh, not naturally coming to me but it's been easier to deal with uh, in in my present moment conscious mind of like oh okay well this is uncomfy now but oh well you know just let it play out uh, things that deal with myself though that don't involve other people uh, are much more difficult and I think that's because when it's there's an external component to it I can say okay well, that's out of my control in a logical sense. So therefore, why try to force something to be better that's not better right now when there's more parties than just you involved? But when it comes to myself uh, and I want a quick solution to my own problems, that is where I uh, start to notice my wonderful patience uh, starting to break. And it, it doesn't really break. It's just that I begin to wish for things to end sooner than not uh and it's just not going to happen and one of those things that while you can view this as an external control this is all to do this is my own problem there is an external substance involved that is the medication but it it's all me it's nobody else's problem nobody else is involved with this on a uh emotional or physical level it's just a matter of you know the external entities uh being therapists or psychiatrists or whatever um directing me one way or another uh, that That is the only involvement. Past that, I am the only person that is going to experience these kinds of things. So uh, one of the things I want right now is for these withdrawal symptoms to go away. Just leave me alone. It hurts very much. Um, I, I spent this entire weekend either... I tried so many things. I tried partying, which was obviously the wrong decision, but it numbed me out for a little bit. I have been completely sober for a few days. Tried that. That didn't help either, so it just hurts either way. There's not a good solution. Um, So I've just chosen to kind of uh, press through. And one of the reasons that this is occurring now and that we've made the decision to uh, stop using uh, these antidepressants, other than just the sheer fact they're not working, um, also has to deal with some of my treatment. And I won't get too deep into that because I don't want to... Uh, speak negatively of anyone because I, I think the people who have been working with me are, are very smart and very wonderful people. But there have been some things that I've noticed that have made me want to address um, issues via my my medium here as the podcast uh, host of sorts. So one of those things is withdrawal facts. So we're going to start there. And the reason I want to start here is very important is because at some point when I was vocalizing uh, a transition period to my latest medication, 
um, I was told that I shouldn't experience any weird issues or side effects as I was coming off of one medication or the other uh, because the half-life of it was X amount of days and it lasts in your system for forever. And that, or not forever, but for a very long time, right? Um, so, I mean, at this point, it probably really is out of my system, not not the current medication, but the, the last medication. Um, but my problem with that is that my actual not not just my emotions were invalidated while they were that's not the important thing here the important thing here is my physical pain was invalidated like i was it, there's no like opinion here these aren't emotional things it's nah man i have a fucking splitting headache what the fuck are you talking about uh <laughs> saying this doesn't have any any things and that just made me realize that oh, this person just probably hasn't ever actually taken an ssri and if they have maybe their chemical structure and their brain is different but above all else they are not, they're either trying to soothe me and make me either think it's all in my head or maybe uh, make me feel better that everything's going to be okay, or they're just totally ignorant to the reality. And when I brought this, this situation up to my therapist, maybe my therapist was like, uh, no, they're pretty immediate if they're going to happen. Now, they don't happen for everybody, and they're not always severe for everybody. Uh, but for me, I, I get the, the typical stuff. Um, and I'll kind of describe how that that uh, feels for me when I get into kind of the current state. But but what I want to talk about first are the, the general facts that come with withdrawals. So uh, whenever you stop taking an SSRI, and again, while these are facts, these are facts based on you as an individual. This doesn't, not each one of these things happens for every single person. Just in general, these are things that are known to happen. So immediately, the next day, you can start experiencing withdrawal symptoms. Uh, usually they're, they're not super heavy because you still have the majority of the drug active in your system if you took it the day before. Uh, but you will start, at, especially towards the end of the, the period where you would have normally uh, redosed, uh, you, you can start to experience some of the, the headaches, some of the kind of uh, brain transition. Like, for example, for me, when I go, I, I would have a, a kind of a cloudy brain on the medication, kind of an open brain on uh off the medication and so i can kind of feel that transition in my head and so that'll look different for you but the idea is that you can feel the state of your mind change um from from what you were experiencing with the medication and and not and then on top of that when you start getting into day two you can already begin to experience brain shocks and stuff uh you could even experience that on the first day after withdrawal symptoms happen almost instantly when you stop taking the medication or at least they can it is not uncommon it is well known and i was told uh that it shouldn't be that way which is funny because i was also told by other people that it would be that way so i've already got conflicting information going back and forth and then of course i do my own research and then talk to other professionals as well uh and the the consensus is ultimately uh that of the latter that it totally can it, it's it's not that it can't uh, it can, and, and often for me, it does. So you can start to experience the, the withdrawal headaches, nausea, loss of appetite, insomnia, more depression. Uh, you, the irregularity of your brain shifting around back and forth is very confusing. It's very uh, frustrating. So you can experience a lot of irritation and frustration. You can also experience um, uh, a kind of... I'm not sure how to put this in the words the best, but the the idea is that you can experience not necessarily this um, 
darkness or cloudiness that that's that's probably the best word you can experience a cloudiness of sorts uh that uh causes more uh sluggishness and so that's something i've i've experienced so you get you can become very lethargic in a way um and that looks different for everybody but that's the general idea i don't know that why that was so difficult for me to get out but it, it was uh and then of course you can also experience anxiety from all of these things because you're like oh crap my brain hurts and i'm frustrated and i'm pissing people off and pissing me off i'm doing like if you're not handling it well and it's very difficult to because it's a chemical thing uh all of that can happen basically uh immediately after one day of uh being off the medication so don't don't let anybody fool you that is normal um what's important to realize is that it is the medication and that's been something that's been helpful to me so uh we've talked over a couple of the facts now i want to kind of talk about where I'm at. So the current state of my treatment, like I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, is that uh, no more SSRIs. We're done for good. And I'm actually really excited about that, even though I don't feel excited right now. I know I am excited about that because now I can move on to the next thing. Once all this pain and suffering is over, I can now begin to pursue new avenues of uh, treatment and care. Um, and hopefully they don't have anything to do with medication. And if they do, hopefully it's something that's more beneficial to me. But at this point, I think, uh, the general consensus for, for my current state is that no more meds. Let's keep doing what we're doing that has been working and try to replace the medication with new avenues and new things to explore. And that's really important because at the beginning of my professional treatment, I didn't have a lot of options to do things socially, but now the world has opened up. I've got new friends. I've got uh, new relationships and romantic interests. I've got new events that I'm, I'm doing. I've got new projects that are going on. I've got um, things at work happening that are great. Like There's all these things that I can now focus my attention to where I'm not having to sit at home completely isolated to myself and, and basically raw-dogging my depression all alone. Where in those cases, the medication, if it worked, would have been very beneficial to kind of just regulate my brain so I can sit at home and watch TV like, you know, normal people do. Um, but unfortunately, I don't have that option. But I do have all these new avenues. Now, there is still the ultimate thing that I come home and it's just me and the dogs and I still have to deal with myself there. So now one direction we might choose to head is to figure out how to better address my my loneliness and home life so it's not so heavy all the time. So w what am I going through right now until I get there? Well, day one for me was pretty immediate. Uh, I had a splitting headache. It wasn't as bad as it got to be, but it was already just right off the bat, uh, immediate notice. And I had weaned off of it, so don't, don't, don't even never quit your medication cold turkey some people can do it i would argue that i can do it but i would still experience bad withdrawal symptoms but that's only because i've had a lot of experience with it uh but i didn't do that i weaned off of it uh for about a week and a half and got into a state where i was ready to be like all right i can't really wean off anymore it's time to either stop or or keep going and so i i pulled the trigger and, and stopped and the next day headache the day after um Oh my God, it was the worst brain shocks. So normally when you were, if you were to research kind of the, the after effects or side effects of SSRI withdrawals, one of the common things you're probably going to see is this idea of the brain zaps or the brain shocks. Um, and this is something very many people experience and they describe it like 
lightning bolts, tiny little lightning bolts going through your brain. It's very disorienting and painful. Sometimes it's actually not painful for some people, but it is always almost certainly disorienting. For me, though, I get those, but they don't feel like lightning bolts. They feel like pulses. And this is something I've seen. I'm, this is not unique to me. This is just how I've experienced it. Uh, but instead of little lightning shops, shocks that are zaps, they're pulses. So it's more like a pulse of electricity. And how I can kind of relate that to somebody who's never experienced this feeling is if you've ever had a migraine or a really pulsing headache, take that feeling and multiply the frequency of how often it's pulsing by double. Whatever you felt, it's double that. And it's also a lot heavier and more intense. So I would basically just have this pounding, pounding headache just constantly pulsing in my brain over and over again, 24-7. It does not stop, does not give a shit about what medication you take, does not give a shit about how much rest you get. And believe me, I took all the Tylenol, all the headache medication. I took everything but but my last dose of Xanax so I could just try to get through it. And uh, I even tried to rest. I tried to sleep, but that was just nightmare fuel. I tried to uh, engage my brain in other activities, but it hurt all the time. I tried to go be social. That was a mistake because that engages the brain even more. Uh, like I went out at one point to try to just get some fresh air and work on something, change the scenery, you know, make a physical difference to my environment. And when I did that, it made things way worse when I didn't expect it to. So I had to come home. And as soon as I got home, it was I already felt better. It was still a lot of pain, but it felt better. Um, thankfully that's over. If, if I was still experiencing that, I would not be recording this podcast right now. Um, now the headache's a lot milder. It's gone down significantly. What I experience now is another familiar symptoms that are, symptom that I've experienced time and time again. And that is this just white hot pain behind the eyes. So if you've ever not slept for a certain period of time, like maybe you've not slept for a whole day or a day or two, um, any amount of lack of sleep, you'll start to feel your eyes kind of be tired, but not in a tired sense where they're like droopy and you're falling asleep. Your eyes are physically strained and tired because they've been open so long that you feel this kind of burning behind your eyes. So that's what I've got now. And of course, that makes it very hard to sleep if I didn't already have insomnia already as, you know, like as if I needed more things to make it difficult to sleep. Um, yeah, so just this white hot burning behind my eyes. My head still kind of hurts, but it's much, much milder. It's much more bearable, thank God. Um, so that that's where I'm at now, and it's it should get better through, through the next couple of days, and I'm hopeful. But it doesn't feel great right now, and I'm very, I'm very depressed um, because the come down from this it has nothing to do with the chemical effect on the brain in terms of how it uh, impacts your mental illness. It's the physical effects that make me very sad and ill and frustrated like I feel very sick physically and that makes me more depressed uh, mentally I don't feel like I'm enough I don't feel like I can cater to people or accomplish the things that I normally do and I really push myself and I'm really hard on myself and it's really reinforcing some of those mental things and the biggest thing for me right now is when those thoughts occur is to realize it's just the medication and the chemicals leaving your body and regulating itself and your mind's getting back to the state it was. And when I think about that, whenever I'm feeling uh, kind of out of whack in my head, whenever I'm about to spiral into anxiety or if I'm about to be really hard on myself or, or frustrated I didn't get something done or upset that I'm thinking really slow or, or dealing with things in a really slow manner, I step back and say, it's okay. Take your time right now. 
because you don't really have a choice. You have to let the medication fade. You cannot get that quick solution. It's not going to happen. So just do what you can with where you're at and keep pressing forward and it will get better. And so knowing that it for a fact will get better because it's all just chemicals uh, is very helpful because now I can take that thought and when somebody smiles at me, when somebody tells me a joke, when somebody wants to have a conversation or be social, whenever somebody sends me a text message expecting a response or asking for guidance or just just wants to connect, I don't respond in frustration because I feel frustrated, especially because it has nothing to do with these external people. Uh, instead, I say, oh, man, I don't really have the energy for this right now, but I know I don't, and that's okay. So let's pause, and once you have the energy for these people, then engage. And then I'm able to engage like I always would. I keep myself consistent. That's been really important for me lately. I really, I, I want to be nothing but consistent to the people around me. I want to show, my main goal is to show nothing but consistent love and support to those around me. I don't want, I want everybody I speak to, when they talk about me to someone else, they, they're saying the same things about me. That That's so important to me, not for myself, but for the benefit of, of others, um, because there's so much inconsistency in life. There's so much disingenuity, disingenuity. I can't say that word, disingenuineness in life, uh, that, uh, we all deal with day to day. And I experience that all the time. And so I want to be a catalyst for that consistency and, uh, genuineness that, that some people need. Not everybody needs it. Some people have that and they're uh, sufficient with it. And those people who come and contact me, uh, it will make no difference because they'll just know me for me and that they, they reap no benefit from it. But for those who, uh, really would like to experience that in their life, I'm being a, uh, hopefully a positive impact in that regard. Now you can be a very negative, consistent person and a very negative, genuine person too. Uh, hopefully I'm not doing that. Uh, it's not my goal or my intent, but the dealing with this, withdrawal pain uh makes it hard to be yourself and so being able to step back and say it's just the chemicals uh is very helpful because i can continue to be myself even though i'm in just a metric fuck ton of pain um so yeah that's that's kind of my current state of treatment what's going on but how am i how am I dealing with this? Like I said, the no no headache medication helps. I don't really have any transitionary transitionary meds to help me cope. Uh, I am choosing to uh, stay sober for the most part. I, I don't really want to drink a whole lot right now. I'll maybe have a drink every so often. I, like today, I had a sip of my friend's beer. I had no interest in having any kind of alcohol whatsoever. Uh, I'm not not doing any kind of uh, marijuana. No kind of other party drugs, I'm not interested in any of it. I'm going to be sober for a hot minute. Um, and, and and sober in the sense of, of how a normal person would go out, my, mind you, not like sober as in somebody who's recovering from a drug, drug addiction. Um, but in this way, I kind of am recovering from a drug addiction of my own because it's the, the SSRI. And that's not quite the same because it's a professionally medicated thing. But still, um, I'm making that choice to to not use anything to help me cope as long as I can stand it. Now, my therapist, of course, would most certainly say, hey, if you've got a tool uh, that'll help, then use it. But right now I don't have a tool that I know will help, so I'm not, I'm not using anything. Um, so how, how, am I, how am I 
dealing with this because I am, I don't think I can emphasize this through vocals alone, uh, much less words, much less text, uh, how much pain I am truly in. In fact, I, it's so much pain that I don't even bother talking about it with people. This is honestly the first time I'm actually vocalizing it before I go to therapy this week. Um, uh, I've mentioned to my friends just for their awareness. I said, hey, I'm dealing with these withdrawals. I just want you to know my brain's moving a little slower. I'm going to be okay. This is just for your awareness. Nothing to worry about. Uh, but if you see me responding a little slower, both in person and, and just socially in general, it's okay. I'm fine. Um, don't don't worry about me. And that's because I don't want them to think they can help because there's nothing they can do. Um, and I don't want them to feel bad for me or sad because this is my choice. Um, so how, how am I dealing with how much pain am I? How can I even express this? It, it is... It is so painful that I have wanted a way out. It's the same kind of depressive thoughts and intrusive thoughts that I've always had with depression. It's, you know, it's like I've always said, it's like you're not suicidal because you want to die. You're you're in pain and you want a release. And so that's kind of back. I'm back to square one in that sense. And thankfully, it's temporary and in, in sense of the medication, you know, the depression thing is a whole other thing to deal with. But uh, the thoughts that I get from the pain of this medication, all of that is just it's temporary. It's going to go away. But that is how severe it is. It is so, so ungodly painful that I just I want to sleep forever and never wake up <laughs> is the nicest way to put that. Um but I know it's temporary. But but if it's really that painful, then why am I not in the hospital? Why am I not uh, calling my therapist right now? Why am I not in the uh, nice uh, fluffy room with my, my grippy socks? Uh, that <laughs> It's because, like I've alluded to in other podcast episodes, this is how these mental illnesses work. And this is why it's so important to talk about them. Because otherwise, people just are like, oh, you're crazy and you need help all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, no, you're not. This is valid. And especially when there's a chemical involved and a process involved that you have to get through, um, those thoughts that are popping in your head, it's fine. It really is okay. It's just extremely uncomfortable, but there's nothing wrong with you. You're, you're doing the best you can with what you're experiencing. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but how am I staying out of all this needing of extra help? And uh, this is not something that I can say applies to everyone. This has taken me years, and, and I mean years now. It's so amazing to think that years have passed in acquiring the skills that I've acquired and, and growing the ways I've grown. I, it feels like it's been five months. I still sometimes feel like I'm at the epitome of like a breakup or my father's death or like any name a traumatic event that I've talked about. I still always think, Oh, it's only been four months since that. No, it's been five years, three years, two years, 10 years, uh, since whatever event that I can relate back to. It's been so many years, um, so much practice, so much self introspection, so much therapy. The only way I'm dealing with this right now is because I've dealt with it a hundred times a hundred times over and over and over again. So now I have the sheer willpower to make this progress work for me without any further assistance because I know the moment I need assistance, it will be painfully clear and I have the willpower to act on that. 
I have the ability, the knowledge, and the resources to reach out for help. And I am very fortunate in that, but I am more fortunate and thankful for myself and putting in the work where I don't need to dive into that immediately. I can use the raw willpower of my mind to be like, all right, you're going to do it and you're going to get through it. And this is how it's going to feel and it's going to suck and it's going to be painful. And that is exactly why I'm able to kind of step back and say, oh, it's just the medication. It's just the medication. It's going to be okay. Your thoughts and feelings are valid. Validate myself and move on and let things pass and let it, let the suffering endure uh, until it's over with. So how, how am I, how am I doing that though? I've said sheer will. I've said uh, all the kind of types of things I'm doing, but it's time to introduce ceremonial magic to the podcast in a formal way. And we're going to dive into it more and more as we go. Um, but it's very important to me. And this is not something that applies to everyone. I am not saying follow this path. I am not saying this is the right path. I am not saying this will help you. This is simply what I've done. And this has been beneficial to me. So ceremonial magic at its core is just a meditative practice. It is Western esoteric-based meditation. And so before I began practicing this, uh, I, I studied mindfulness and uh, meditation, and I did that for years, and then I went through Zazen meditation. I went through, um, God, I can't even name I I meditated for a long time, <laughs> and I dove into ceremonial magic, and I can now utilize these practices that are taught uh, in this tradition to focus that sheer will that I have to do what it is that I want to do uh, with my life, with my thoughts, with my being. Because normally a basic meditation practice will be like, all right, it's going to teach you how to let thoughts pass. It's going to teach you how to clear your mind and allow you to be present and introspective. Ceremonial magic kind of kicks that up a notch, like a a real hard notch that says, all right, you're going to take all those skills Uh, uh, where you're letting thoughts pass, where you're being present, where you're being introspective. And now you're going to take that focus that you now have control over and direct it exactly where you want to direct it. And so what that looks like for me is a process of evolving and understanding myself and achieving what we call in, uh, well, it's not just in ceremonial magic, but it's also in uh, the religion of Thelema, which I also at least philosophically associate with. I'm still kind of working through that, but uh, ultimately I do associate with and identify that. I I would call myself a Thelemite, but they teach this concept of the true will. And the true will is exactly what you are going to do. And uh, this is just a side tangent. I'll actually expound upon this probably in its own episode, but I I saw recently uh, somebody post... Uh, something about how free will and true will are contradictory ideas as if this was a, a novel concept. And and honestly, it is a very important concept to talk about. I, I'm not invalidating the uh, debate of these ideas. I think it's a beautiful thing to explore. Uh, but for me, I, growing up studying a lot of Christian theology, um, this relates back to the Ar- Arminianism versus Calvinism ideas where you have uh, th- this one theologistic group is that even a word whatever you have this one uh set of theological ideas that expounds upon the free will where you can do whatever you want to do uh it's your will but you need to choose god and then you have the other side of the fence that is 
well, God's all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful, so he creates everything and has everything's purpose, so you eventually fall into God's purpose because you kind of don't have a choice. Um, the reality is, though, that, well, one, we don't fucking know <laughs> in, in either thought, but in Thelema, it's the same idea. Uh, the, this idea of the true will versus your free will, or not just Thelema, but in, in magical practices of all, uh, because they all deal with this concept of the true will, um, they, this is the same thing. Your true will is what you're destined to do in some ways, whereas your free will uh, is you is just your day-to-day. -day. What, what are you going to do? Um, what I like about one of my friends who used to have this theological discussion with me about the Arminianism-Calvinism thing um, was that ultimately, if you actually look into Scripture, both are true. It's two streams that run the same way. And that is very hard to conceptualize uh, as a human being because they do seem, and honestly are, logically contradictory. Um, and the, this, these contradicting ideas, how do they flow together? How does that make any sense? How can you have a free will that's going to lead you towards a destiny that you were already determined to have? Um, and I think where magic comes into play explains that idea a lot better. I think in uh, modern theology for Christianity, uh, while I do think this idea of the two streams running together is true, I don't think you can explain that with the Bible alone. It's not very clear. Although it does say it, um, it's it's not, the ideas can still be extrapolated separate, which is why you have so many ideologies of, of how this works. Um, and neither are really right or wrong. There's just not enough data. But in magic, there is the idea of the true will is whatever your will actually is. And, and I would argue that it's not contradictory. Now you can make the argument that is, and that's why I think it's a beautiful conversation to have. Um, but your true will is still your will. It is what you're going to achieve. And you only really get to your true will by doing the practices that get you there. At least that's what this philosophy and mindset teaches otherwise it's your free will and it's your free will that directs you to choose your true will it's not even directing you have to choose you have to make the decision to all right i'm gonna start meditating i'm gonna start practicing wicca or i'm gonna start practicing ceremonial magic or i'm gonna start practicing zazen buddhism or hinduism whatever or christianity whatever path spiritually or even and mind you, this is, it does not have to be spiritual. These paths can also be completely agnostic or even atheistic. It's all about you choosing the path that is going to get you to your truest self. And therefore your free will is you choosing to do that or not. And that I think is a lot more explanatory of how those streams run together. You have to choose for yourself and decide that you want to achieve that will that is of your ultimate uh, truest self. And then you choosing that puts you on a path that is in some ways uh, predetermined by whatever spirituality or lack thereof that you identify with. Uh, so that was a big side tangent, but that's very important because that's where understanding myself comes into place. And so when I started doing ceremonial magic, I was just doing it as this meditative thing to clear my brain, um, not really fully understanding what the impacts and implications are uh, of a lot of these correspondences and a lot of these rituals and a lot of these practices. And what I realized is, oh, they are setting me on a path that is similar to some of these other 
uh, spiritual paths that I've seen all across the world whenever I, I was studying theology a lot heavier, whenever I was uh, interfacing with people who had these various belief systems. And at the time, I would kind of be confused and argue against them. But the reality is they are just different means to the same path. And, and Christianity is still one of them. I wouldn't say um, modern Christianity that's taught in churches is, but what's taught by Jesus in the Bible is also just as valid a path as Buddhism, Hinduism, magic, or hell, atheism, Satanism. It doesn't matter. These are all paths to the same goal, and the reason they are paths to the same goal is because they have been proven to work at some point in time by an individual who has achieved their will. Um, and it's very hard to verify that, honestly. You could call me a liar, and you wouldn't be wrong, <laughs> which is, is so fun. I like that. I really love that that idea that I could be full of shit right now about everything that I'm talking about, but I know I'm not. One, because I personally am experiencing it, but two, uh, because we do have evidence across history of these things working for people now it's still history it's still written word but it's all we have to go on and so you choose to identify what you believe in and what your truth is and that is what i love about ceremonial magic is because you don't have to be religious at all i deconstructed my christianity uh before kind of diving into this um and i still would think uh, I, I would say that jesus is amazing i love jesus like, go jesus um but I think he's amazing for different reasons now than I used to. And so I don't I don't want to get religious with it on purpose because magic is not a religion. Ceremonial magic is not a religion. Natural magic is not a religion. Chaos magic is not a religion. And it's not shooting fireballs and summoning demons and doing weird shit. Although you do interact with the idea of a goetic entity, but it's not demons like you think that are spooky, scary skeletons. Uh, it's a whole different correspondence. And these are concepts and, and they're metaphysics. And these metaphysical concepts could even be extrapolated down to just being how you impact your psyche. So, for example, I'll get real, real spiritual with you for a minute. When I do a ritual that's known as the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, it's a very common one in ceremonial magic that's taught. Uh, it's one of the first ones you learn. When you do this, you invoke, at minimum, four archangels of that correspond to the elements of uh, air, fire, water, and earth. So you invoke uh, uh, Raphael, Michael, Gabriel, and Uriel. And Raphael corresponds with air, uh, Michael corresponds with fire, Gabriel with water, Uriel with earth. And you can choose to go into the practice, and this is what they idealize, and this is how I do it, because I, I think the spiritual stuff is fun. I think it's fun to believe in. I think it's fun to see the results and how they impact you, but you don't need it. You don't need it at all, and that's where kind of the idea of chaos magic comes into play a little bit. Um, but regardless of that, that's a whole other topic for a whole other time. Regardless of that, what you're doing is saying, hey, this entity that's been referenced throughout history, this angel, this angel that's referenced in the Bible, that's referenced in... Uh, Jewish mysticism that's referenced all the way back to ancient Sumeria or whatever, where we get correspondences down the line that we call Raphael, uh, is associated with air because in the way the solar system works and the way energy is exchanged and the zodiac and all these kind of things that you normally hear as hippy-dippy magazine bullshit actually do mathematically correspond to these ideas. And so over the years, we have built systems based on these logical constructs and develop 
or at least even if we didn't develop it, we identified somehow symbolism that helps us internalize these ideas. So when I interact with uh, Raphael, I can see that as a uh, angel that I'm uh, invoking or, or uh, evoking, in the case of banishing, uh, that I'm evoking to uh, do everything that corresponds with that ideology. What does Raphael stand for? He, he stands not only in corresponds with air, but with wisdom, increasing, uh, increasing your practice in magic. He stands for uh, uh, victory uh, and a lot of other things, a lot of other correspondences. And so I can use those things in direct outward. I can use the symbolism. I can use this visualization to say, all right, Raphael, you're going to lead me to victory. And here's how you're going to do it according to my will and where I want to go. And that'll set me on the path that I want to be on. All right. Well, you can also say, okay, I'm going to interact with the idea of this angel and use that to change my external consciousness. And in the same way, there's a demon that, uh, what we would call a demon that corresponds directly with Raphael. Uh, and this is where you get into this crazy concept called the, the chim operation that, that is a, a whole other thing. So, so we're going to touch on a lot of things. Cause like I said, this is going to be an introductory episode to some magical topics that we'll get into throughout, uh, the podcast as it continues. But, uh, more or less there's a direct correspondence and you can, as a spiritual practitioner of it, you can say, okay, I'm actually interacting with this, uh, demon entity that has these correspondences to help me deal with these aspects of life. Or you can say, okay, I dealt with Raphael on my conscious level. The demon represents the subconscious level. And so all it is, if you're not spiritual at all, you can be a total atheist science nut and still do these things and be like, all right, cool. They have helped me work through psychological issues at a conscious and subconscious level to my benefit. Um, so that's how I do it. Uh, these magical practices, these these esoteric practices that seem like a bunch of weird nonsense. I've been fortunate to find modern teachers of these subjects that have helped me break down things. And, and fortunately, I come from a background. I I studied Latin in high school. I, I am still learning Italian now. So I've got a good foundation there. I studied a lot of Hebrew on my own studying theology. So like abstracting and reading very complex texts is actually easy for me. I, shit, I crushed the book of the law, the book of the law and the book of lies and two days. Uh, now that doesn't mean I have the full comprehension or understanding, but I didn't have trouble reading them because I have such a good foundation. So I can always go back and reference them now and have a good idea of where what I'm looking for is or should be. Um, and that's very powerful. I'm very fortunate to have developed that skill over time. But uh, what you can't do is have no foundation for it. So when, when it comes to magic, the only reason I crushed the book of the law and the book of lies is because I've been doing magic for like two years without them, without any thalamic references. Uh, so I had a good uh, grasp on what was going on going into it. And that's only because there's been teachers in modernity that have translated and broken the, down these concepts into modern English instead of a bunch of weird ass cryptic bullshit. Um, and I think that's awesome. So when I learned all this and applied that to myself, I began to understand myself. Because even if you extrapolate all the weird shit, what I'm doing at the end of the day is just meditation with some extra visualization and symbolism to say, hey, this is where you are. This is who you are. This is what you want to do, where you want to be. Here's what you understand about yourself. Here's what you don't. It, it lets me in these states of being more present, especially after doing so many years of practicing meditation, say, okay, um, like, for example, after this uh, episode's done, I'm going to go do, I didn't do a ritual today, and I normally do one every single day. Uh, I don't really want to do a ritual today, and that's fine. 
Uh, instead, what I'm going to go do is shadow work, which is actually also a ritual. So in a way, I am going to do a ritual, but that's because I feel like I need to. I feel like there's something I need to work on. So what I'm going to do is sit down, meditate until I uncover what it is that's eating me alive so much. And honestly, it's probably a lot of brain chemical bullshit, but I want to I use that as a catalyst. I want to use that frustration. I want to use what I'm experiencing in the present moment to kind of move forward and uh, have that conversation with myself and and come to a resolution. That's the goal of that. Um, so that that's how it works with helping me understand myself. It's not all just about uh, walking around a room and, and waving your hands and saying mantras and uh, thinking really hard about what you want to manifest. It's not about that. That is part of it, but it's about you directing yourself uh towards your true will and so that's the path i've chosen so that my i've taken my free will and all that i've learned throughout my life and said okay this thing says it's going to get me to my true will if that's really a thing and it can really get me there let's do it and if along the way all it did was help me understand myself and be a better me well that's great too and in some ways that really all that is what the true will is and it's not it doesn't have to be this crazy divine thing or this crazy spiritual thing it can just be you completing yourself and being whole uh, as you exist as a human being. And that's beautiful. And I want that. So if it says it can do it, let's give it a try. And what's great is you can try things in this tradition. And if they work, fantastic. And if they don't, well, drop it. You don't ever have to do it again. It's a, it's very much a spiritual science in that way. It's not super scientific. Uh, it doesn't follow a strict scientific me method. That's why uh, I, I would call it a, a spiritual science or even a pseudoscience um, because there's still a process involved that's just not concrete but there's still a something to try something to observe and therefore you can draw a conclusion and that's very powerful and I like that a lot um, because if you do if you go read a fancy book on the shit that I'm spouting and you're like oh well I tried that and I didn't feel shit nothing happened cool and somebody else says it did cool does it really matter? It doesn't make it true or false. It just worked for one person, worked for one. And that's why it could truly just be psychological. Uh, I just personally choose to have fun with uh, a bunch of angels surrounding me because that, that sounds way more badass in my opinion or crazy, whichever way you want to take it. <laughs> doesn't matter, but it's important to realize the foundations and fundamentals of these things and how they benefit you and what you can do with them. So where is that taking me now? Um, outside of my mental health, I am now... Very excited to announce that I am in the process of writing a book. And I've only privately announced this until now. Right now I'm in the phases of doing artwork for the book. Uh, I've never done artwork really before. I am not a good drawer, but I am finding myself to be very good at depicting what it is that I want to. I started off with some digital art and then realized that wasn't going to be enough, that I had to really sit down with some of these ideas and imagery and draw them for myself, especially if I didn't want to plagiarize something that's been done. But more importantly than that, uh, because I'm all about stealing what works, <laughs> not not in an unethical way, but these are esoteric diagrams, right? These are, are public form. I could just copy paste one in. But the problem with some of them is the imagery is actually like really blurry. It's really hard to see, and it's only that the fact that I have the both the imagery and a book to help me correspond and correlate that I can actually even read the damn diagram. So I'm going back and redrawing some of these things uh, to actually make them legible uh, more than anything else. But I'm finding myself able to do it now. I'm not like uh, an amazing artist or anything now because of this, but I'm able to 
make myself uh, figure out how to depict what I need to depict. And that is enough. It doesn't have to be this beautiful piece of art as long as it looks good enough to publish, of course, but also as long as it looks good enough to understand for, for every person that exists. Um, so that's been really fun. And I also have a couple other friends helping me with art and I can't wait to credit them in the book with whatever they can contribute. Um, but yeah, uh, the book's actually written. It's done. The, the verbiage is written. It's down. The, it's, it's all good. All I have to do is finish the art and then, of course, edit it 50 billion times before I either A, ship it to a publisher or B, self-publish. And right now, my plan is to self-publish. And here's my reason for that. I'm not really in this for the money. I don't care if you buy this book. And to prove that to you, the PDF copy will be free. If I go with a publisher of any sort, the only benefit of that to me will be some kind of signing deal or uh, distribution deal or maybe a way to make the look, book look a little bit prettier than what I would be able to accomplish with self-publishing. Um, but my stipulation and whatever contract that would be is the ebook version has to be 100% free. And that that just I want to emphasize that I'm doing that for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm a hacker. Right, I've talked about that a little bit about my career, uh, and one of the principles as a hacker is that all information should be free. People deserve to know things, and esoteric books, just quite frankly, aren't free. Now there are resources you can find in historical libraries that where you can go download these books. Uh, I believe um, there are a couple of uh, books, like I think maybe even the Equinox from Curly's stuff. I don't know what, what they all are, but there are some books that you can find in libraries uh, for, for various esoteric texts, especially like, like various Solomonic texts and stuff like that. But for the most part, there are publishers who have purposefully picked up the rights to these books so they can uh, distribute them. And yes, they're getting a profit out of it as well, but they're also doing a very good service because they, in order to maintain these books throughout uh, history and maintain their longevity... They kind of got to make money so they can do that. So this is not knocking them on that. That It's good that they're doing that. Uh, but I am somebody who wants to give out free information. So I would like you to purchase the book, the physical copy of the book, if you would like to have a physical copy. I personally like to have physical copies of books. Um, that will help sustain whatever project I do next, uh, contribute to the podcast, etc. But the PDF, the actual information that I'm trying to disseminate to the public will be 100% free no matter what. And if that means I have to self-publish the whole thing in order to have that, I have no problem doing that. And so right now that's my first course of action is to essentially uh, prep it for self-publishing regardless. So that way I can just drop it when it's time to drop, but I'll shop it around first to see if anybody else is okay with that. So if you're listening and you're a book publisher, looking at you, Wiser, or whoever else, uh, ooh, Sounds True would be cool too. I would love to be on the same uh uh, publisher is Damian Nichols, but that's a that's a personal thing. Doesn't matter. Any of you publishers that are listening, we can talk when it's done. I'll let you know, uh, or I guess let me know that you're interested, and then I'll let you know when it's ready, um, and then we can review and go from there. But ultimately, I am publishing it regardless because I want this information out there and to be free. Because I am taking everything. I haven't even talked about what the fuck the book is yet. This book will be called Fundamental Magic, um, and it is a book. That kind of is what it says on the tin. It is everything that I have learned over the years, everything that I practice to this day that actually worked for me, that actually made an impact on my growth uh, without all the bullshit, but with a lot of the detail. <laughs> so 
my my favorite one of my favorite teachers ever damian eccles um he's written three books now and i have all three uh i'm almost finished with angels and archangels but i've been the reason it takes me so long to finish his books is because while they are not very big books they contain a metric crap ton of information and they require you to step through the practices so i i'll take one of his rituals that he lays out and it could be uh i don't know let's take the lesser band of string ritual of the hexagram uh, it's more advanced extrapolation on the pentagram ritual I talked about earlier. Um, I started doing that months ago now um, in preparation for my book because that was going to be included in mine as well. Um, but I had to do it. I can't write about something I've never done. So I had to sit down and do it for, for several weeks and turn, weeks turns into months and, and experiencing it and seeing how I feel, seeing how it, it, these correspondences make sense, understanding the purpose of it. And he lays it out very well. Um, so his books are like that for me where I have to not only read them, but I have to do the practices for several months before I can even move on to the next page, let alone the next chapter. And I love it. I love his books. They're so great for that reason. And I wanted to write a book just like it. Um, because it took me going through multiple books, not just his, but other books as well, uh, to learn what I know now. And so I'm basically gutting all those things describing what didn't make sense to me or that wasn't explained by the books that I had to go like research elsewhere, whether it was the internet or another book or another reference and just putting it in layman's terms for what you actually need to know to get through the stuff. So that's fundamental magic. That's what the book is about. Uh, you're going to see a lot of similarities from a lot of the books that I've mentioned on this podcast and a lot of the authors uh, like Jason Louv and David, you're going to see a lot of reference because that's who I learned from. And I have credited them heavily in this, this book because they are wonderful, wonderful teachers. I am so thankful they have disseminated this information in such a way that has been beneficial to my growth. And so now I'm kind of passing that along. Uh, I want to pass the torch. I want to keep the growth. I want to keep the modernity in this practice and make it free. Because these books aren't free, and they shouldn't be because those guys deserve to get paid. But I got a day job, and this is not my full-time job. Um, so I happen to have the time to write a book, and I wrote one. So let's make it free. Let's let's help people. Um, because that is ultimately where I feel led to the most. I'm, I'm not a teacher, but I am. I'm a teacher almost by force and by, by force of nature, uh, not because that's what I'm choosing to be. Um, and as a result, I have to, I don't have to, but I choose to continue to teach in ways. And, and this is one of those ways. So yeah, that, that book is coming. Uh, keep an eye out for it. Um, and the ultimate resolution to all this is, yeah, uh, withdrawals fucking suck and they're hard. And I'm a weird hippie who does magic shit. Call me a magician. Call me whatever you want. Um, and these are my tools. This is how I got through this. This is how I'm able to press through so much because I want to continue to live so that I can continue to love. Um, and I am willing to press through immense pain for myself. And what I want to encourage from others who are going through SSR withdrawals, you can ignore all the magic bullshit. That's just for the podcast fluff. Ignore all that shit for a minute and go back to you. Go back to focusing on who you are, what you want out of life. And if you don't know, if you feel hopeless, realize that it's just the medication or that it's just your current state and that you cannot force something to be over and easy quickly because there will always be pain. There will always be some kind of suffering. Now, that's not to say if you have a solution to get it over with quickly, don't use it. 
definitely do. Like, don't suffer for no reason. Don't suffer for suffering's sake. But if it's time to suffer, suffer and get through it. And you'll come out the other side better. It goes back to the archery metaphor that I observe every single time where it's uh, in times of great struggle, often, not always, but often it's leading to a time of release. And it's like when an archer pulls back a bow, the harder they pull it back, the harder it is to hold on. It keeps getting harder to stretch back, but they keep pulling, keep pulling, and keep pulling. And that keep that the, the idea of it continuing to pull is how heavy the stress is, how heavy the pain is. And as you pull back so far, and the further you pull back, the further that arrow is going to fly. So the harder things feel, the harder things are for you once it's released, it is a huge release. It's huge success. It's huge blossoming and growth in your life. It's a good thing. Again, not every time, but a large majority of the time that is the case. And it can be pulled back just a little, little shot and a little release or all the way back. And right now, it's a pretty goddamn big pullback for me. And it, it keeps doing that. I, th- I don't think I ever have a tiny pullback in my life. I think it's always, always, always a giant pullback and a giant release but the releases never feel so big because it starts pulling back immediately again. And that's a me problem. I don't know if that's a me thing or if that's just how my, my life's going and my destiny's headed. We'll see. But um, keep that in mind. It's okay to suffer. Just don't suffer for suffering's sake. So yeah, be on the lookout for that book. Be on the lookout for the podcast guest. If you want to be a podcast guest or you know someone you would like to be a podcast guest or whatever, reach out to us on Echo's box, uh, or Echo Doc box at... Uh, Instagram or echo.box at gmail.com. I know I told you guys to get better at reading that off. I probably never will. Maybe that's going to be my new bet. Uh, but regardless, I hope everyone has a great day. Love and light to you all. Um, great day and night. I'm like signing off like a weirdo. Just bye. I won't stop creating all these enemies Cause demons left inside me And I'm not anything you want me to